Marbles. Collecting marbles here. Anyone have marbles? Marbles. Hey, Sue. What you doing? Oh, hey. I'm collecting marbles for our group. Uh, what group is that? Uh, the Marble Collectors Guild, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, have anything to give? Um... No, I don't. Sorry, but I'd really like to help. You don't have any marbles at all? No. But I think I could get some. How can you get some? Well, my birthday's coming up soon, and I could ask for marbles, and then I could give them to you. You would do that? You'd give away all your birthday marbles? I mean, sure, why not? It's for a great cause, right? A very good cause. Okay, well, once I get them, I'll give you a call. Great. Uh, marbles! Collecting marbles here, marbles! What are you all collecting now? Marbles, Tim, can't you hear? Well, of course I can hear, but what in the world are you collecting marbles for? We're gathering marbles for our Marble Collectors Guild. Care to donate? Donate? You mean give you something that's mine? That generally is what donate tends to mean, yes. Well, why in the world would someone want to give you one of their prized marbles? Even if it is for a good cause. See, because I don't know about you, but I work hard for my marbles. Work? You. Work hard? Huh, huh, very funny. Well, I'll tell you, I'll let you know, I mowed 17 lawns last year to earn my marbles. So. Oh, well, <laughs> then you should be very proud of your marbles. <laughs> well, I am. Because others showed generosity to you in helping you raise enough money, don't you think you should be generous to others in return? Hey, wait a second! You're just trying to trick me into giving you my marbles. I've heard this song before. No, Tim, I can assure you, I'm definitely not singing, and I'm certainly not trying to trick you into anything. In fact, if giving marbles isn't something you really want to do, then I wouldn't want them anyway. So now you don't want my marbles? Tim, you're not listening. So my marbles aren't good enough really, for you? you don't need to be raising your voice. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to march to my house, get all 64 of my marbles, bring them down here, give them to you, and <laughs> that'll show you. Tim, all that shows me is that you're giving out of guilt and foolish pride. I don't want your marbles if that's how you feel about giving. I want you to feel truly good about your giving. Okay, well, well, maybe I'll just give you two marbles. Would that make you happy? Well, of course that would make me happy, but it would only be a start. You're unbelievable. You just never stop, do you? No, I want you to give what you feel right about giving, not what would satisfy your guilt. Oh, so you want more. You're not listening. I want what you feel you can give. I'm not impressed by buckets of marbles if the giver is only doing it to show off. I am impressed, though, by two little marbles if that's all the giver can truly give. Oh, I, I think I get what you're saying. So what you're saying is, is even if I can give just a little, it can go a long way. Yes, exactly. So if I want to give what I feel that I can, it's not like I've lost all my marbles. Well, Tim, that may be up for debate. Marbles! Collecting marbles!
So I remember when I was a kid, uh, I played football. Um, didn't play it in high school, but I played it when I was younger. And uh, practice was one of those times that you just loved, right? So I was at practice, and I, I remember <clears throat> two words that the coach would say, and I would just have this horrible pain go through my entire body. <clears throat> the two words were leg lifts. Anybody remember leg lifts? I don't know if they still do leg lifts. I don't still do leg lifts. But it's leg lifts is when you lay down on your back, and then you put your legs up in the air, and you just hold them there. And you don't get to hold them way up in the high in the air, which would be simple. No, you have to keep them just a wee little bit off the ground. And the coach just watches everybody. I think coaches are, like, kind of sadistic. But anyway, okay, so the coach is just watching you, and your legs begin to shake, and your stomach begins to quake, and you're thinking, I can't do this. And it really is hard. But the point of doing leg lifts is to strengthen your core. Because when your core is strong, everything else benefits. When we think about our lives, our heart is our core. It's our spiritual core. Now that's not, we're not talking about the, the organ that pumps the blood, which is very important, obviously. We're talking about our center of our, of our beliefs and our actions our spiritual core. And when our spiritual core is strong, everything else is strong. Part of our uh, spiritual core is money. Money, our finances, our, our treasure, our stewardship of what God gives us. There are up to, depending on who you ask, 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk about stewardship and finances and money. And we're going to look at all of those this morning. No, I'm just kidding. We're just going to look at a few of them, um, but we're going to look at some misunderstandings and some truths about money from the Word. And then we're going to ask two simple but very important questions. So let's start into the misunderstandings. The first misunderstanding is this. Money is evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It doesn't say that money is evil. It says that loving money leads to evil things. And so money itself is neutral, but it is dangerous. As Proverbs 38 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. The Bible says that having too much or too little can be problematic, can be dangerous. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. Just enough, not too much. Make this part of your heart. Don't love money love Jesus. Here's a second misunderstanding. God's going to give me more than I give. Mark 10, 30, 29 and 30 says, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions in the age to come and in the age to come, eternal life. 
And what this means is when your heart and your life are invested in God's mission, you're going to be blessed. It's not a formula to have a tenfold return on what you give to God. If you really want to hold God to some formulaic promise, note that in the middle of this, Jesus says, you will have persecution. So keep that in mind as well. There's an important related idea that's also sometimes misunderstood, and it's this, that God requires that I give 10%. 10% is called a tithe. The word means one-tenth. One of the verses that talks about this, probably the most famous one, is Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, I will say, this is a great way to strengthen your heart, to, to give the first 10% of your income to God. Put ten, the next 10% in your savings, and then live on the other 80%. Again, it's not a formula kind of thing. It's just, wow, what a great way to live. And if you live that way, you will be blessed. I'm confident. In the Old Testament, the tithe is required. But what about the New Testament, right? We're, we're living in the New Testament. What about that? Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> Scholars are completely divided over this. Some say Jesus never took away the tithe. Others say that we live under law, not under grace. And still others say, no, 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 you should put a zero on the end of the 10%. So in other words, you need to give 100% to God. And in fact, that's another kind of a misunderstanding is that God requires that I give 100%. Now you might see why people would think that using verses like these. Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Luke 9.23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Give everything. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Abstain. Man, that is all in language. I do believe we should live more simply so others can simply live. You've probably heard that before. So it's a good idea to, to skip a meal and give that money so someone else can eat. But we must understand that 100% of what we have comes from God and we're accountable for 100% of what we do with it. But as always, see, the enemy takes God's idea and he distorts it and he makes it evil. So while sacrificing for others can bring joy to you and to them and to God, a legalistic, ascetic lifestyle can actually steal joy from you and from other people and even from God. If you think God doesn't want you to enjoy anything, you misunderstand God. See, God takes our, our, these misunderstandings, he blows them away and he replaces them with truths. And here's the first one. God wants us to enjoy and share what he gives. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything 
for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, if you're in this building or listening to us online, you are rich. You are wealthier than 90% of the people who live in our world. So God wants you to enjoy those riches, but he wants you to be generous with them as well. Okay, then how much should we give? How much do we share? And we talked about that a little bit, but here's what Jesus says. In Luke eleven forty two, Jesus points out, you can give 10% to God. You can do that tithe thing, but you can still neglect God's love and justice. Luke 19.9, Jesus affirms Zacchaeus after he promises that he's giving one half of all his possessions to the poor. That's 50%. In Luke 18.22, Jesus tells a man that he has to sell everything or he's not ready to follow Jesus. Well, that's 100%. So what is it, Jesus? Is it 10% or is it 50% or is it 100%? Just give me a percentage, I'll do it, and everything will be great. Well, I think the skit already provided the answer. We're supposed to give generously from our hearts. But there's no correct percentage or formula or amount that you're supposed to give. I would say there is an incorrect amount to give, and that's zero. (laughs) Now, I will qualify this. When my kids were in college, they literally had zero income. And I said, why don't you, instead of giving a tithe, why don't you just give 100% of your income? (laughs) Well, Dad, that's nothing. And I said, okay. But if you get some money, give something back to your church that you're worshiping at while you're in college. Get involved, serve, but don't give nothing. That's not God's heart. That should not be our heart. All right, here's another biblical truth. Ready? This one's confusing. Saving can be wise and foolish. (laughs) Jesus said both of those things. In Luke 14, 28 through 30, Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So saving can be wise. Not planning brings embarrassing problems. But Jesus also talked about a man who, who had more than he knew what to do with. And so he said, you know what, I'm just going to stop working. I'm going to build these huge barns to, to keep all my stuff in. I'm going to sit back and relax and eat and drink and be merry. In Luke 12, 20, Jesus said, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Oops. Do you really think that God blessed us so that we could be comfortable? Are we saving what's sufficient or what's selfish? Here's another biblical truth about money. It's part of your discipleship journey. 
Navigating the tension we feel between money, this tension, it actually leads to our spiritual growth. It's part of discipleship. It's the core of our spiritual life. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us that God has given us resources, and we're supposed to use them. And that's our gift back to him and to the world. Here at Discover, we formed a new team to help us grow in our biblical understanding and our generosity regarding our finances and our hearts. And this team is actively praying and planning and putting together practical biblical resources that are going to be rolled out in 2019 and beyond. So be looking for those things. See, God has a great plan for your discipleship journey. He's going to help you reduce the stress that you have over financial issues. God can help you go on vacation or a mission trip and pay for it with cash. God wants you to experience increasing joy because you're being more generous to God's church, to other good causes, and to your own family and friends. Well, there's a lot more about money and how we're supposed to use it for God. But let's just ask these two questions. First... What's in your heart? We recently walked through a wonderful series on God's grace. God gave his grace to us so that after we receive it, we would pass it on to somebody else. And God gave us resources so that when we receive them, we can bless others as well. And this is so key, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word can actually be translated hilarious, someone who just loves to give. God loves it when you love to give. And you might wonder, well, when I give to discover, what happens with that money? Just a few things I'll share. First of all, our great facilities are available for people to do mission and vision kinds of things. Every week our building is available as a life-giving space where people gather for worship, for life groups, discipleship groups, Bible studies, ministry preparation, planning, prayer, ministry teams, leadership training, spiritual coaching, local ministers groups, a Tree of Life elementary school branch, and more. We impact thousands of people every year through Upward Sports, Vacation Bible School, our car and craft show, when we build a house or bag food, and other life-giving activities. We host the Women's If Gathering, which is all about our mission and our vision. Not long ago at an If Table, the Holy Spirit convicted a young lady that she needed to be baptized right then. The only problem was right here on the stage, the worship team was having rehearsal. And you know what? That wasn't a problem. Because the worship team knows they're all about the mission and vision as well. And they said, pause, time out, we'll separate, you go up and get baptized. It was a wonderful time. And the worship team joined with the family and the others who were there and the angels in heaven over this decision. And all that happened because people said yes when God encouraged them to give here at Discover. And that's just one part of one story. 
when you give our wonderful, hardworking staff is able to lead various ministry areas in fulfilling God's mission and vision for Discover. Our staff is paid directly from your offerings. No denomination or outside group provides funds for our ministry team. It's totally you. Dave and Cindy Welsh came to Discover through the invitation of Vianne Ledostack. They got involved in life group. They got baptized. <laughs> they got more engaged in the church. Dave and Cindy now lead a life group and both are helping to lead D groups. Cindy is a hotline operator for Pregnancy Decision Health Centers, our local pregnancy crisis ministry partner. Dave came on staff first to work with our teens and he now serves as our global outreach minister. He was in prison this past Sunday serving with Cairo's Prison Fellowship where many men experienced unconditional love for the first time in their lives. And Larry Ruffin was part of that team and God not only impacted the men that Larry served, God impacted Larry as well. And Larry was able to serve in part because of the kidney that he received earlier this year from Jennifer. And Jennifer and Larry got connected here at Discover. And all of that happened because people said yes when God encouraged them to serve and to give here at Discover. And that's just one part of one person's story. Because you give nearly $200,000 every year goes out to our incredible ministry partners. Our global outreach partners. Most of that comes from the general offerings, just when you give online or in the boxes. And additional funds are provided every time you buy a drink at our global cafe. In the near future, you're going to hear more about uh, this year's annual work trip at CCHO, which was mostly funded by offerings you gave over and above the money you normally give. Here's a story from one of our global partners in North Africa, very briefly. He tells about a recent convert who was being threatened by radicals, and this man then disconnected his cell phone, and our ministry partner lost touch with him. But they recently reconnected, and that man is leading a Bible study with six other men who were finding hope in Jesus, not in their culture and not in their tradition. And all of that happened because People said yes when God encouraged them to serve and give here at Discover. And that's just one part of one story. You see, when you give to God, you change lives here and now and forever. On an airplane, a, a man asked the woman that was seated next to him, he said, uh, so what do you do? You know that small talk on the plane, right? And she said, well... I work for a global enterprise. Uh, we're working in almost every country in the world. We started and manage innumerable hospitals, hospices, homeless outreaches, children's homes, pregnancy crisis centers, schools, and we founded some of the world's finest universities. We provide nutrition programs for the poor, training and self-worth programs for prisoners. We're on the forefront of anti-human trafficking and human justice strategies. We lead life-changing poverty alleviation, alleviation initiatives. And the man said, wow, what's the name of your organization? And the woman said, the church, Jesus is our leader. You see, the church is the hope of the world, so we need to give like it is. We need to live like it is. See, the, the real question is, what's in our heart? Does that match with what's in God's heart? Well, what is in God's heart? 
See, we give not to earn God's favor, but because God has already given us his favor. You want to know what's in God's heart? The most famous verse in the Bible is God's heart. God loved the world so much that he, what's the word? Say it with me, gave. God gave his only son that whoever believes in him, they would not have to spend eternity separated from God, but they would have life forever with God. God's heart is all about giving. This week, I was a couple hours outside of Columbus, and I stopped to get lunch, and that's when I realized, oh man, no wallet. (laughs) No wallet, no lunch. No wallet, no gas. (laughs) Fortunately, I keep $10 to $20 always in my car for such emergencies. But those moments of anxiety helped me remember there is a debt that nothing in my wallet can take care of. A debt that I cannot pay. And it doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter what kind of credit you have. We have a debt of sin that we cannot pay ourselves. And God gave so it would be paid because of his love. He loves us that much. See, at the end of this life, it's not going to matter what's in your wallet, but it will matter what's in your heart. Today, maybe you need to offer your heart to God. And maybe that's a first-time thing. Maybe you've never turned your life over to God and said, Lord, I just need to surrender and I need to trust you to take care of what I can't take care of myself. Or maybe, to be really honest, you've held on really tightly to the resources that God has given you and you need to open your heart up to God and say, Lord, this is yours. You've given me so I can bless others. Change my heart, God. Whatever the step on your spiritual journey that God is calling you to take, whatever that is, please respond to that. Please say yes to that. So God's kingdom can come here to earth and people can be blessed and be brought into his kingdom to go into eternity with him forever. If you need to talk to somebody about that this week, whatever it is, please do that. If you need to talk to somebody right now, I'll be right up front. Let's encourage each other in these things. What's in your heart? Let's stand and sing.